Greetings and salutations, my beautiful souls and spirits. Before we get into the regularly scheduled programming, I just wanted to let you guys know that this is an episode on the go, meaning that this episode was recorded in a location outside of the usual headquarters. So there might be a slight decline in sound quality, some background sounds, but you know why we're here. Just focus on the content because I'm always bringing you some beneficial breaks. With that, enjoy the episode. On this episode of Menstruction. There are issues that are primarily black issues. But if we know they're primarily black issues, don't we need to coalesce to make sure that we can change those things? How are we going to turn and point the finger? It's like that meme with, with the, the two Spider-Men. I think it's two Spider-Men and they're pointing at each other. That's what it's like. It's like we we took the issue that is an us issue and pointed at us and say, you're the problem. Yes, you are. And I am, too. It was a brick by brick and a stone by stone. Rome wasn't built in a day. It wasn't done alone. See, the spirit is the merit and the mind is the home. It takes a whole village to get a child out this home. Yes, to be a great man without good instructions. A surefire way to lead a life of destruction. Let's be honest, sit down and tune in. Put an hour of your life into some instruction. Greetings, 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 salutations my beautiful souls brothers and sisters this is black velvet coming at you through your airwaves and this is another episode of menstruction thank you thank you for being here you know you know i I, i'm always grateful you know i always have to start with thanks and gratitude because i'm glad that you're here I'm glad that you chose to spend another hour of your time. Hopefully adding another beneficial brick to the fortification that is you incorporated. That's right. Now, I have to say it is uh, um, it's Black History Month, which... I have always found to be very entertaining, quite laughable. Not, not, not the fact that it's Black History Month. <laughs> I do not have internalized black hate. It's funny to me that as a people, we did receive the shortest month of the year. Even with the leap year, It's still the shortest month of the year. It just goes from 28 to 29. So regardless, we got the only month in the year that does not reach the 30-day threshold, period. No matter what the circumstances are, we don't get the 30 days. Even when you get evicted from a place, they give you a 30-day notice. They tried to kick our asses out of history. We don't even get a 30-day notice. Like, it it I don't know if it were if it truly was orchestrated this way. I'm not gonna speculate. It's just interesting to me. I feel like there were powers that be the people who make it so, and they could have chosen any month, and they went to the one that has the least amount of days, 
They said, yeah, that'll that'll work for them. Even MLK's birthday is acknowledged in January. I'm pretty sure. So we don't even get that one. <laughs> Arguably one of the crusaders of our people. He don't even land in our month, which kind of seems like a fuck you from the grave. But that aside, that is not what we are here to discuss today. But what I have noticed, and maybe this is just in me getting older and paying attention to these things more and having a deeper understanding Maybe it's just because there actually has been an increase in this kind of activity. But I've noticed that during this month, around this time of the year, February, there seems to be a lot more advertisement, commercialization of Black History Month, which has its pros and cons. And we're going to dive into that. But I've noticed it and I'm like, man. Was this always like this? Was there always like I mean, and it's it's aggressive. There's 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 an ad that's rolling around on YouTube right now that I promise will disappear next month. <laughs> I promise in March I will not see that ad anymore. There's an ad rolling around for all these black content creators on YouTube. I've not heard of any of them. And that's not to say that they don't have significant followings and they don't do great things. I'm sure they do, but I've not heard of any of them, not seen them advertised or pushed at any point in time before now, before February, 2022, I haven't seen any of them. And I mean, they're from all over. It says they got some from Brazil, Kenya, of course, here in the U S the UK, maybe Australia. Shouts out to black Australians. If you're out there, all five of you hope you're listening. Um, so it's like, I see that. Then of course you have your general ads for those that still watch TV. Um, but even if you don't watch TV, a lot of the ads are the same, really. You know, you got the, the, the target ads. I'm sure Walmart's got some stuff cause they know who their clientele is. It's, they, they know, and they're putting out ads, you know, black history, this, they put up a, a notable black face here and there, or they're talking about some sale that's going on. Or sometimes it's really just very cookie cutter acknowledgement, black history. You know, we're celebrating black history month. Da, da, da. And it's like, how? How many people on your board of directors are black? You're celebrating how? What are you giving? And, and, the, and those black executives... Are you going to give them free reign? You're going to be like, hey, for the this month, the shortest month of the year, because that's the only one you deserve, for the 28 days of February, you run the company. You are chief executive. Do what you want. And we won't veto anything. I will whip the votes. We'll get everybody on the board to go for whatever you want. You say that. Put that in an ad. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. Turn up Black History Month. Okay. But that's not happening. So I don't know how they're celebrating. Why they even feel like they need to acknowledge it. It's obligatory. I know. But I see a lot more of these ads and all of these corporate commercial acknowledgements of Black History Month. And it's not all bad because, again, I think one of the positive behalfs is, yes, it's being acknowledged. It, it is something that 
those who have their ear and honestly the control over these avenues and and structures of communication they can they can control narratives right they can create stories and headlines and they can kill them so for them to be using their resources to get black history month out there and acknowledge that's great that's great greater impact of influence i would argue but on the flip side, it's very hollow. And it seems like in many ways, it's just another example of the overall utilization and profiteering off of black people's backs. If I'm just being honest, that's what it feels like. Who's capitalizing off of that? Where, where I want to go with it today and the reason that I'm, I'm even acknowledging it really is because we very much so could make this a political conversation. It could very much so be a cultural conversation, which I guess it will be to a degree. I don't necessarily want to dive into those factors too, too much, although I definitely would love to have a conversation about that in the future at some point. I want to bring it back to how that instance and phenomenon really of this almost corporate obligation to acknowledge and commercialize black history month relates and has a direct correlation i believe to the overall exploitation of black bodies and black souls in all of that corporate space specifically social media and the media I'm going to stay away from the news a little bit, but, you know, movies, television, streaming, all that good stuff. How that is truly being exploited. Uh, it, it might be too inflammatory to say, but a second wave of black exploitation. But I wouldn't call it black exploitation because it's not as I, it's not as concentrated. The black exploitation era was very seemingly very concentrated and orchestrated. And also there was an awareness the like the black people who were engaged in black exploitation were aware that it was happening. And there was a lot of satirical work that came out about that. Now, I feel like a lot of us truthfully don't even see what's going on in front of our eyes because that identitarianism, those cultural politics having us believe that we've now been put on even playing fields because again, you see things like the YouTube ads, we get access to the big powers in the platforms. We start to believe that we're on an even playing field. We're getting the representation we so deserve. And while they're dangling the shiny shit in our face on that side, behind us, they're taking everything out of our back pockets. And that's what I feel like. So, Let's just dive right into it, man. One of the things that has been brought to my attention by many is the seemingly increasing divide between the relations of black men and women. And I would say that that is indeed correlated and indicative of the overall social divide and political divide that exists in the U.S. right now. I think those things are most definitely correlated. But I want to focus on the black space for a second, because it would appear to me that a lot of the people who are really pawns in the game don't realize they're pawns in the game. And they're playing into the very things that are 
pulling us apart while also believing they're doing their civic duty by acknowledging it. And essentially, I think that's the definition of the wokeism movement, which is a joke, quite honestly. Woke is joke. <laughs> woke is joke. Wow. I that's that's how I would give a broad definition to wokeism. It's those who are engaged in the very issues. Well, no, I I won't even say that. Wokeism is the act of being contrarian and not realizing how ironic it really is by believing that you are acknowledging the issue and being a crusader to help change it while playing right along into the very processes that propagate it and keep it going. That's that's what the woke people are doing because they they swear that they are putting people on blast. We are exposing the dark underbelly that is this industry, that is this issue. Sure, maybe. You're not really blowing the lid off of anything. Believe me, there are people that know. The very people who orchestrated it know. And they've been doing it. Who are you? You I, See, this is the thing. I don't see how you can believe that you are being the smoking gun that you're the whistleblower or at the very least you're creating a movement and reporting it to the masses and trying to get the powers that be to affect the change and they're the ones who help orchestrate the problem in the first place it's like you have it's like one of your relatives gets gunned down in cold blood and so you rally the neighborhood behind you to go to the house of the murderer, which you don't which you don't know is the murderer to help you take them down. That's what that looks like to me. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's get Jeremy on board. Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> let's get Jeremy on board. Jeremy, the killer. His prince on the gun. So. I have to wonder what the origins of this commercialization really is. Is it genuine? I'm willing to believe that in some very few, but in some cases it is very much so genuine that these companies really believe that they do have a debt. They, they feel like there is there, there's a change that needs to be affected. They feel like there's something they owe us as a black people just because of what our struggles are because of what they believe the issue to be and that they believe that's them doing their civic duty by putting these things on the forefront, by bringing it to the mainstream. It, but I would argue that even for those who really believe that you haven't done much, you haven't done much because you started from a false premise. You have an understanding of the issue that in itself was debased and honestly misunderstood by the people who created that narrative but because there were black voices in the conversation you believed that that was the right course of action it's not it's not but to bring it back around to the point those black voices those of us who somehow do find our way in the conversation whether it be intentional or we just stumble our way into it the people who get the voices usually do not use them for the right reasons for the solutions 
but we will as a people turn around and support these people because we believe we have access now. We believe we're part of the greater conversation. So we'll support these people and give them the necessary influence they need to then go and spout nonsense, which only further deepens the divide between us. How? Well, for starters, one of the main divides, and this has existed going back to W.E.B. Du Bois versus, I think that was Marcus Garvey. No, sir. The ideological debate we were referring to there was Du Bois versus Booker T. Washington. Where the question was, do we take a militant approach or do we take a civil political approach to overcoming the racial biases? The Malcolm X versus MLK divide. Again, do we take the more intellectual, empirical approach to our issue to bring us together and overcome, or do we go in guns a blazing? Ah, uh, not quite, sir. He got a little inverted. Booker T believed that we could be harmonious, economically productive members of society, while Du Bois believed we should take a political activism and formal education approach to equality. And MLK versus Malcolm X was peaceful protesting versus equality by any means necessary. In Malcolm's case, literally, one going guns a blazing. So that's the first divide. I would call that the intellectual versus the emotional. Or maybe emotional is not even fair, but the, let's say, passive versus reactive. Do we go strategic? Well, I would argue there's a strategy to both sides. But do we go the reconnaissance style of strategy? Let's collect the information and, and choose a path that way. Or do we just catch them on the offensive? So there's that divide where some of us feel, well, maybe we need to do more research and develop a better understanding and get ourselves in those spaces, right? Get in those conversations, make sure that our voices are heard and understood and we can affect the changes that way. And then there are some of us who believe, no, we need to go on the attack first. We need to put everything that we know and put it on blast as loud as possible. Every CEO of every company, all the bankers, all of the uh, public officials, all of which who do not support our cause, let's shit on them and take them out immediately. And there's merit to both approaches. That's why the divide remains. But because now there is a forum that exists where both sides can broadcast their agenda, it has further deepened that divide. Because in those times, the previous examples, the internet didn't exist. Print media did. And print media would be the equivalent, the headlines, the newspapers. If you could be lucky enough to be put in a scholarly book, but that would be after their lifetimes anyways, it didn't exist. It was, there just, the, there were more barriers to access that just don't exist now. Almost everybody has broadband. Almost everybody has a smartphone or some internet connected device where you can take what used to be a smaller and arguably 
more insignificant voice and make it the loudest in the room for better or for worse. So now that divide has been further entrenched because everyone can have their side heard equally loud. That was grammatically garbage, <laughs> but I, you understood what I said. Each side can broadcast their agenda as frequently and as loudly as the other side. Unfortunately, that does not mean that they are presenting their agenda with the best approach and the best spokespeople. The internet, social media, has created that divide. Excuse me, has not created that divide. We've already established that divide has existed for a very long time. It has further entrenched that divide because there was a time where both sides can meet at the line. They might even switch. So there was a time that that could happen, but that doesn't exist. It's harder to come to that center point because the trench in between is just getting deeper and wider. You have figures who are placed on this pedestal because they have the access. And then the access, again, because it's so widespread, also then ends up applying to their supporters, the people who are in the ranks of either side. They will jump in and support because they can just access whatever agenda they want. The problem is that creates a lot of wishy-washy individuals. You don't have steadfast supporters. You have people that'll jump in, again, from the woke perspective, from the identitarian perspective, who feel like their individual or what they believe to be their individual vices being represented and they jump in. But they're not gonna ride out the storm. So when things start to get serious or there's some pushback, they're not going to be behind that. Before civil rights era, that didn't happen as often because you really had to consider what your message was going to be and if you were going to support it because your opportunity to broadcast your agenda was limited. So it forced people to be more introspective on which agenda, which side, if you want to go about it that way, you're going to support who's right, who's wrong. And there's no real answer to that question, but it forced you to think more about the answer to that question. Who's right, who's wrong, or at the very least, which one of these seems to be a more productive side, a more productive perspective to support. So now you get large part, well, you get segments of the population who are supporting poor messages and poor messengers. And just as an aside, this also addresses another question that I have had and have had numerous conversations about with some of my homies as well. Why it seems like there aren't any of those prolific, standout, admirable black leading voices like it seems we had in our history because it's black history month so we got to talk about the history where are the marcus garvey's the medgar evers the mlk's the cassius clays to an extent the kwame therese 
W.E.B. Du Bois, if we're going to go back a little bit further, where are those people? And the question that I had and I have is, do they exist? Do they not exist? Or is it that we just can't hear them? Because everybody is standing at the podium. Do we not hear them because no one's listening or more realistically because they can't be heard because everybody thinks they're the next crusader or do they actually not exist because the powers that be who control these media conglomerates who control these narratives again the youtube ads the big grocery store chain ads and whoever else is putting ads out about the greatness that is blackness are they have they gained so much control of the narrative again that we don't see those individuals as those kinds of individuals. That's that's further entrenching our divide. So that's the first part. That's the media, the social behalf, the social mediums playing into the intellectual divide. But then we can talk about the gender divide, the black men versus the black women. Again, a divide that has existed for a long time. Not a new phenomenon either, but seemingly one that again has a increasingly widening gap between the two. Now, again, we could walk it back to a time where pre the Reagan era, and I can't recall off the top of my head, I will do better research the next time, but whichever presidency administration it was when the welfare system was instated, which honestly seemed like it was supposed to help, but a time where black unity, black marriages, nuclear black households was the norm. All right, back with the facts. The welfare system, that's FDR, New Deal, Social Security Act. Remember, a push, huh? So it was pushed forward by the A2 Families with Dependent Children program. Reagan's relevant here because he was the one who created the concept of the welfare queen. And while not necessarily the norm, Black marriages certainly were common and in the majority, about in the 70th percentile around the 1930s-ish. That was, that existed. Believe it or not, the narrative would have you believe that we've been against each other and separating ourselves for a long time. And it has been a while, but this phenomenon of which I'm referring to happened less than 100 years ago. This was in... The last century, the earlier part of the century. But please check that on your own. I will come better prepared with my information on the next go around. I promise that existed. There was a time where that was the norm. Which is to say that was there were there black couples Were there black men and women that had disagreements that did not necessarily support each other's approaches and or mindsets, of course, that's always been a thing. 
again, there, there will always be intellectual differences, cultural differences, political disagreements that happens. But on down to the base level where it really matters, familial ties, we were connected. There was a time where our unification was for our benefit. We needed each other because we were starting off from nothing, from the very clay that we were walking upon. That's it. That's all you had. So that that existed. And then there, the welfare system was instated. The liberalization of divorce law occurred. And there are many other factors that went into it as well. I'm not trying to dive too deep into that because, again, that is a separate conversation. I can do an episode on that as well if that's not, if that's what you want to hear. But those things occurred and started to really define that divide between black men and women. The welfare system, again, when it started, wasn't initially intended to do this, but over time as it developed, gave women women in general, but I'm focusing on the black woman perspective uh, portion of it more of an opportunity to sustain themselves and their families by themselves. They were given subsidy. They were they essentially the independent lifestyle was subsidized. It was, I won't even say it was, no, it was, it was glamorized. It was made to look like this benefits you if you need it. And really began to plant the seeds of you do not need a man. You do not need one. We will be able to supplement you so you can do it on your own. Point of clarification here. I by no means believe that the welfare system should be glamorized or the very people and or black women that are on it glamorize it. But I did make the point that way to identify how much the narrative has been strewn and misconstrued about the people that are on the welfare system. The welfare system in many ways created the very narrative that black women willingly and openly stood up to walk away from black men so that they could get federal benefits. It is not true. The federal benefits became more important because of the disparities in the system and how it was enforced, how it was funded and the lack of opportunities experienced by black men. And again, going to the liberalization of divorce law and eventually how custody of children and all those things broke down. We all are aware that it damn near 99% of the time favors the woman. And so all these things help create that divide. Now, why, why am I acknowledging any, why am I acknowledging all of those things? Because what seems to be the narrative a lot of the time now, especially with black individuals in my peer group, is that there's this hatred 
There is a genuine hatred developing where black men hate black women and black women hate black men in large part because they believe the other hates them. Young black women believe that black men don't love and appreciate black women. Black men, young black men believe that black women do not love and appreciate them. Are there some that have issues and that have disagreements? Absolutely. Ideological separations? Absolutely. But at the core, to turn on each other and genuinely be able to say, I write off my own people? I don't love you? I can't love you. Is that really what we believe just as another aside i was watching one of my favorite podcasts not that long ago and again i don't have the exact figures and information in front of me i do apologize i will have it moving forward with this conversation i promise that on average black men and women marry each other more so than any other race on average more often meaning this whole narrative of oh well we don't appreciate each other so i'm just gonna i don't it doesn't matter we're free we're liberated we made it i'll go marry someone else in another race so this this belief that we hate each other like that and we're just turning out to others and we don't come together and coalesce it's not true on average, black men and women marry each other more so than any other race. Look it up. However, due to the factors acknowledged earlier, as well as disparities in education, income, and other socioeconomic factors, black marriage rates have been in steady decline and have reached sub-30 percentile rates in the 2010s. It's real. So... There's this divide that is perceived as being worse than what it is. That we hate each other. And those of us that are now coming to age, coming of age, excuse me, and who have the ability to get out in that space now and be involved romantically and get to understand the world around us and, and come together. We now are getting subjected to those things from day one. Especially those that are born in the generation after mine now, who are literally born into this internet age, this realm of propagandized nonsense. We weren't necessarily born into it, but we're still influenced by it because it was it progressed aggressively during our adolescence and so we saw it just the same and now we get into it now we're online we're on the platforms we're on twitter snapchat instagram whatever and we're getting engaged in these conversations now because we're starting to understand and question the things around us more except we jump into the conversation and we continue to push the narrative yeah black women don't do this this that's that and the other 
Are there things that black women need to improve on? Absolutely. Are there things that black men need to improve on? Absolutely. Because we're human. There's something that all men and women, no matter which color and creed, need to improve on. We don't take that and turn it on our own and say that it's just a black issue. There are issues that are primarily black issues. But if we know they're primarily black issues, don't we need to coalesce to make sure that we can change those things? How are we going to turn and point the finger? It's like that meme with, with the, the two Spider-Men. I think it's two Spider-Men and they're pointing at each other. That's what it's like. It's like we we took the issue that is an us issue and pointed at us and say, you're the problem. Yes, you are. And I am, too. It doesn't make sense. We got to think about it, but we're playing into the narrative that saying it's us. We there are young black men that I have spoken to, that I've seen personally, that I've had conversations with, that believe that black women are out to get them. That black women are ugly. They're evil. They're disgusting. They cannot be trusted. That is some of the saddest shit that I hear. That I have witnessed and had conversations with people about. And look, don't get me wrong. I know you can't change that narrative overall. They're gonna people. There are going to be people that believe that no matter what. There were people that believed that in the civil rights era and before. So I know that. But they're supposed to be the minority. When they started to, when they started to become more a part of the conversation, that's when the problem began. And so for us to get online and take the shots that we do at each other and call each other out, which we seem to believe is keeping each other on account, but really isn't, is a problem. We got to see this divide and see how it's manifesting. We are playing into the issue, but instead of trying to fix it, we point the finger at each other. Yes. Does it seem, does it seem that black women seem to propagate the narrative of independence. I don't need a man. I can do all this on my own more so than others. It does appear that way. Is it true? And even if it is true, why is that? Why are we willing to accept the narrative that it's just because they're hateful, spiteful human beings? Do we, do we not understand nuance? Are we unable to do our own research and understand our own black history to see that this is this is a systematic issue? The welfare system created a process that facilitated and encouraged the lack of needing a man. They didn't create that. They didn't create that. So why are we on them so aggressively for it? They didn't create that. Do they propagate it? Yes, they do. And it's unfortunate. And that's something we got to work on together. But they didn't create it. Yes, men, it hurts. It is absolutely disrespectful. To have a black woman or any woman come to you and tell you that you ain't shit. You are unnecessary. That you are 
useful, not meaningful. It hurts. It does. It's wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not. But don't turn that into some internal. Don't turn that into a manifest manifest. God, hold on. Let me calm down. <laughs> don't turn it into a manifestation of some internalized black hate that we have and then continue to propagate that to further entrench the divide. Step back and see the real issue. And that's, that brings it full circle. The people who orchestrate this are the same people who are capitalizing off of it. We didn't create this. We didn't create this environment. We did not decide one day that we were going to turn around and hand it back. We didn't decide that. That we were going to turn around and turn our backs on each other and create this whole system to indemnify, to reduce, to sublimate the black man and the black woman. We didn't come up with that. We didn't do that. But we believe that that's what it is because that's what the narrative is. And there has always been some power that be that knew that they could capitalize off of our backs, our essence, our culture, our approach. And they still doing it. That's why Black History Month, the shortest month of the year, seems to get all this press all this coverage, all of that, because why? Because they're still capitalizing off of the divide. Because they know that we will turn our heads long enough for them to orchestrate another internal feud to put us back against each other. While we are playing the dog and up. Squirrel, look over there. Oh, look, black voices on, on, on the platforms. Black History Month this. We're giving a grant to these HBCUs. Out of that. Okay, cool. While we're distracted by that, the real things going in the background that they are capitalizing off of are still happening. And they're setting something else off into effect that they know we will help kick the can down the road on to further bring us apart, to further bring their book ends closer, to make the balance on the bottom of the balance sheet at the end of the fiscal year bigger than it was last year. We gotta pay, we gotta pay attention. You gotta focus on these kinds of things. These are the things you gotta be inquisitive about. Yes, it's something as simple as an ad a phenomenon of ads that run through Black History Month about creators and people and voices you ain't never seen or heard of before that suddenly are all the hype and that I promise you when March comes around will disappear. You won't see those people put up on the platform again until the next year. That don't bother y'all? Question it. Think about it. Think about it. So 
In closing, in my opinion, there is a direct correlation between the commercialization of our culture and our people and the further divide and disdain for each other. Think about it. Give it some deeper thought. Stop turning the finger up and around each other. Stop it. Stop treating your fellow young black man and young black woman like we ain't all in the same boat, which in itself is a terrible metaphor <laughs> when you consider how we got here in the first place. It is an issue. And there's a lot of nuance to it. The nuance has to be acknowledged. It has to be respected. It has to be understood before we can step forward. When you don't see those nuances, you don't realize how that affects the lack of the right voices in our communities. How that affects how the gender divide, how we support each other as black men and women. You don't realize how that further pushes us back. This has been another episode of instruction. I thank you for spending your time here and hopefully have been provided with another beneficial brick to fortify the structure that is you incorporated. I am Black Velvet. I love each and every one of you.